0: You're going where? You're doing what? Are you crazy, Aunt Tam? Make sure you subscribe. Welcome to Many Roads Traveled. I'm Tamara, and I have one question for you. Do you love to travel? Awesome! Or then I invite you to join me on my 30,000-mile road trip from Paris to Cape Town back to Nairobi. One more thing. We'll be traveling back in time to 1993 before the Internet, Google Maps, and cell phones. However, not to worry, because I do give you up-to-date info on each episode. Plus, you can always find more information on my website, manyroadstravel.com. So, without further ado, let's hit the road! Welcome to episode 18 of Many Roads Traveled. And on today's episode, we're going to be in country number 10, and. Actually, it was the newest country in the world way back in May 1993 when I was there. That's right, Eritrea. So we'll be in the capital, Asmara, as well as going to take a little dip in the Red Sea in Massawa on the coast. So before we begin, let's have a little recap. Uh, after this episode, we'll have traveled almost 11,000 miles on my 30,000 mile road trip from Paris to Cape Town and back up to Nairobi. And for my podcast journey, which you're along there with me, (laughs) the top five countries of listeners is pretty much stayed the same this week. Uh, So number one was USA, two Canada, three UK, four France and five India. Which is nice since three of those five countries I consider kind of my homes, Canada, UK, and India. <laughs> That's where I've spent my most time in my life. And also today's review is from at that drummer, five stars, road trip. As somebody that hasn't traveled outside of the US, I have, I love hearing your adventures and stories and look forward to COVID being over so I can have similar adventures. Me too, mate. <laughs> Thank you so much for that. And if you'd like to get a shout out on one of my episodes, just head on over to Apple or Stitcher for Android users and leave me a review and I'll give you a shout out. And of course, info is on my website manyroadstravelled.com Okay, I think that is about it for the recap. So yeah, so let's just, let's pick up where we left off last time. So just a little th- a thing about Eritrea. So it's, it's a small country in the Horn of Africa, and it's bordered by Sudan, which is where I came in from, Ethiopia, and Djibouti. It's, at the time, it was about seven and a half bira to one US dollar. although nowadays bira doesn't even exist. It is now 15 nafka to one US dollar. Okay, so day 111, after two days ridiculous bus journey, (laughs) we actually slept on the road beside the bus, which was just crazy. Anyway, so we finally got into Asmara, the capital of Eritrea, on day 111. And it was just like a whole new world. (laughs) Although in a way, it was like, a whole old world because it was like so Eritrea used to be an Italian colony it you felt like you're in Italy which was just so crazy especially after almost a month in Sudan and a month well, over five weeks in Egypt you know very desert so Asmara was a little oasis really beautiful Italian architecture lots of tree-lined streets and benches and lots of cafes and restaurants and bars because of course Sudan uh, alcohol was illegal so besides some Sudanese moonshine I had in Wadi Halfa which I don't recommend it just literally tasted like gasoline yeah it was nice to have a cold beer again and their beer they only have one beer and it's it's their own which is called Asmara but it was actually really good and super cheap. It was like, I think, 30 cents a bottle. So it was like, woohoo! So I'm still traveling with my friend Casey, who I left with. And we'd also met uh, an American couple, Matt and Aaron, in Su- in Khartoum. So we'd travel with them from Khartoum to Asmara. So it was pretty funny, the four of us walking uh, in Asmara, because <laughs> we seemed to be a bit of a spectacle. I don't think they had seen many, you know, Westerners, especially white Westerners for quite some time, because Eritrea and Ethiopia were in a war for 30 years. And um, that's, you know, if you remember Live Aid, way back in, I think that was what, 90? I don't know, whenever Live Aid happened in the 80s, I think. I do remember watching it on TV, though. Um, But that huge charity was for victims of this war, Eritrea and Ethiopia. So it was for... That area of the the world, but like I said, they had declared independence. You know, the people were super happy. I think like ninety nine percent of them voted for independence from Ethiopia, so it was a really awesome mood, obviously in the city. And yeah, their independence day was was coming up, so it was it was just an awesome vibe actually, and it was much cooler as well. So the the weather was perfect. It was like between twenty five and twenty eight Celsius. And nighttime it cooled, so it was it was a lot easier to sleep. But like I said, Sudan was like the hottest weather. I mean, it was in the forty, mid forty Celsius plus humidity, which put it into the fifties. I think the hottest day, fifty seven to fifty nine degrees Celsius. It was like living in a sauna. It was ridiculous. Anyway, so we we Casey and I walked around. We found a hotel, probably one of the best hotels we'd stayed in, actually the whole trip so far. <laughs> It was this beautiful old wooden, like I said, Italian architecture. So this wooden hotel. And our room, I thought we had the presidential suite. It was like huge. It had two double beds, an attached bathroom. There was a sink and tables and chairs. And then this huge balcony that oh, had a really lovely view over the city. Yeah, it was luxe. I mean, like remember, I slept on the road <laughs> a couple nights prior. So <laughs> it was super. Uh, and then we went out for dinner. And the Italian influence continues and, again, did not have a lot of food or at least a variety of food through the whole almost month of Sudan. But, yeah, we had spaghetti and salad and garlic bread and, like I said, cold beers. And that only cost, uh, I think, $2 for all of that. Three beers, <laughs> spaghetti dinner, salad, garlic bread, $2. bucks. i am going to love this place already. <laughs> And it was also quite nice to get out of Muslim countries because we've been in Muslim countries since Turkey. I love Muslim people. That's nothing, you know, nothing against them at all. But it was just nice, especially as a woman, to just not have to worry about my dress, you know, what I'm wearing. And just, like I said, a bit more relaxed and get beers. So that was always nice. So day 112. Had breakfast, so I think I had breakfast. Like I said, there's loads of little cafes. And everyone's, like, it was surprising. So many people could speak English. And all the menus were in English, too. I mean, it was their local language. I mean, there's quite a few local languages in Eritrea. I think there's like nine. But well, I had learned a few words in Tagira from when I was in Karen, staying with the four ladies there, which who were so nice. Obviously, catch up on my, my past episodes, so you can, you know, come along on the trip the whole way. So, yeah, so I had breakfast, I had an uh, egg sandwich, tea, and juice, and it was 50 cents. <laughs> I was like, "Woohoo!" So, And then I decided I was going to, because it was, uh, to call one of my best friends, Tammy Murphy, I call her Murphy, to wish her happy birthday. So I went to the post office, spoke to the guy, asked how much it was going to be, and I thought he said, "It for four minutes, it'll be 25 birra. So that was like four dollars or something like that so I'm like okay that's fine so called Murph but she didn't she wasn't home so I spoke to her sister Tracy who's like my big sister anyways so caught up uh with her which is nice and then I asked her to to call my mom to get my mom to call me at the hotel because I haven't spoke. I hadn't spoken to my mom for about seven weeks at this point so <laughs> I knew she was probably pretty worried But yeah, so it's nice to talk to Trace. And then after my four minutes, I went to pay and he was like, oh, no, no, it was like seven or whatever I said, $4 a minute. Yeah, it was not $4 for four minutes. It was $4 a minute. And you spoke for, I don't know, five minutes. So he wanted like over $20 American. I'm like, what? No, 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 that's not right. So I was like, well, he, he was like, well, I'll get the manager and speak to him. So I did, and I pled my case. I'm like, this is ridiculous. I would not have called. Like, that's all. I was what I was spending in two days. Like, that's crazy. So I kind of, you know, sweet talked him into bargaining because, like I said, I'm very good at bargaining. And I got it. We met kind of in the middle. So I paid half of that, which was okay because, like, it was nice to talk to someone from home, anyways. So after that little bit of a hoo ha, went for dinner. Went for dinner with the Americans, Matt and Erin. I mean, I really liked Erin; she was so sweet. But Matt was getting on my tits. Like he was just super patronizing, arrogant American dude, who I was getting fed up with. To be honest, and I kept thinking, "What are you doing with him?" Because she was so lovely. Anyway, so we had had, I think we had aubergine, par, like parmigiana aubergine or eggplant. Uh, it was so good. Like I said, I was just loving the food. <laughs> Although because I'd hardly, hadn't eaten much last month, my stomach had shrunk. So even though I'm like, this food's so good, I couldn't even, I couldn't eat a lot, which kind of sucked, but <laughs> it was good. So yeah, I just went back to our luxury hotel room and waited for my mom or Tammy, the Mur- like Murph, to call me. But no go. So I thought that was pretty weird. I, then I was like, well, maybe they just don't have an international code because they're a new country. I don't know. So I didn't get to speak to my mom still. So the next day, hundred day 113, my Walkman, which remember back this is 1993. So you had tape cassette Walkmans. That was, you know, the highest tech you could get really back then. And it was playing up. So I went to found a shop that see if he could fix it. And. You know, he said he did, but of course I got back and it wasn't fixed. So that was super annoying because having tunes really, really is huge. And especially when I, you know, you're on long bus journeys or I would go off on my walks by myself. Like my music was, it still is super important to me. So that was really super annoying. So, yeah, just like I said, strolling around the town, like it was, you know, a very nice town. And, I, of course, I had to buy an Independence T-shirt, you know, Airtrain, so, Airtrain Independence T-shirt. So, I don't know, that was about five bucks. But, you know, you kind of had to, man. It was so cool being there at the time. And then, um, yeah, we grabbed some more, grabbed dinner. And then Casey and I went to th- this concert that the U.S. government had put on. You know, because of their independence, and it was the Kenny Neal's Blues Band who were there from Louisiana, and it was rocking. It was only like I don't know, dollar, just over a dollar, maybe dollar fifty to get in, and beers were only thirty cents. <laughs> and yeah, it's just it was amazing. And there was actually quite a few international journalists there too. You know, for Independence Day, and all the locals like I said were super happy. You know, the war was over; they got their independence, so it was just amazing party atmosphere vibe kind of to it and then Kenny Niels like got into the audience he's playing his guitar into the audience and he came right next to me and so of course I had it accompany him with my air guitar <laughs> so we were rocking out together <laughs> it was hilarious I really felt like I was back home like at a gig it was it was great it was such an amazing night much needed uh to have some fun especially after last month or so of hard traveling so yeah super super great evening uh, so the next day, day 114, we got up back to the early starts. Got up about a quarter after six because we wanted to go to Masawa, which is a, a town on the coast. So it's the Red Sea. So got a bus there. It took about five hours, and the drive was absolutely beautiful because you you gradually descend up into the mountains. So, you know, it's super green, and and you know the air gets cooler too, which was nice. And, and then to and then it kind of plateaus when you get to near the sea so it was that was a and it was a good bus too so it was a nice five-hour journey got to Misawa and then we it was like oh wow this is what war does like Misawa the whole town was bombed out pretty much almost every building had some sort of damage to it some were just completely destroyed there was loads of like potholes in the roads but again you know the people were still happy because you know the war was over and independence and all that but it was it was pretty yeah shocking to see what war does you know and that's just structurally not to the people that live there actually Anyway, so we ended up getting a taxi out to the beach which is about 10 kilometers from Misawa. there was like several like resorts along the coast but only one or two were open but I brought my tent so we just went to the beach down from the resorts and pitched the tent because there was no, like, we were the only people on the beach, basically. And, yeah, no other Westerners there. I mean, like I said, the most Westerners were the journalists that were in Osmer, the capital. And uh, we hadn't met any other travelers, except for Aaron Mar- and Matt, for weeks. Anyway, so we thought, okay, well, our tent should be safe. Unfortunately, Casey didn't bring his. I don't know why. Because <laughs> I was pretty cramped, both of us, in my, my little two, uh, two-man tent. Anyways, we end up going to, well, of course we went for a swim first thing you do and oh my gosh, the red sea it was like having a bath, which was so nice considering like getting a shower was been, had been a luxury for the last couple of months. <laughs> so having a red the red sea to yourself was amazing and it it was so warm. I think it's the the warmest water I've ever swam in. It really was like having a bath. And yeah, it was just so nice. Then we went to one of the resorts and had an awesome fresh fish dinner. Again, it was still pretty cheap, even though it was like this fancy... Well, f- I say fancy. <laughs> for that part of Africa, it was fancy resort. Still really cheap, but it was like two fifty, two dollars 50 or something with for a beer and, and this awesome fish dinner. Then we just ended up calling it a bit of an early night and crashed in the tent. Now, of course... I just couldn't sleep. It was too hot in the tent and cramped. So didn't get much sleep. So on day 115, I got up uh, just after six, Casey was still asleep. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to like skinny dip. (laughs) Well, not fully. I kept my knickers on, but uh, yeah, I went topless because there was no one out and about. It was so liberating and lovely. And yeah, just swam out there for a while and then um, came in. And just spent the day kind of in the, on the resort patio, which was beautiful. And they had cold mineral water, which was a nice change from drinking my lukewarm or even hot. <laughs> Filtered water, although that filter saved my life many, many, many times. And yeah, just eating nice food and tan, you know, catching my tan and swimming. I actually felt like I was on holiday, <laughs> Because the last month or so, it did not feel like holiday at all. It was hard going, traveling, just super hot, lo- hungry. Hu- yeah, just not great. But yeah, so it was just nice to have a couple days of feeling like I was actually on holiday. Because remember, if you listen to my intro episode, I this trip wasn't my plan. It was Casey's plan. He talked me into it. My plan was to go to the Caribbean and yacht hop or yacht hitch. So trust me, for that month in Sudan, I thought about that quite a lot. <laughs> you know, don't get me wrong, like looking back now, yeah, it was a huge sense of accomplishment during this trip, especially in case he didn't. <laughs> and, I, you know, Africa will always, always have a special place in my heart for sure. And, and just that i lived through it, to be honest, is it is an accomplishment in itself. So that that night, well, like late afternoon, these two, you know, official... Well, they said they were official tourist people. I don't know what that means. But they are like, oh, you can't, it's illegal to put your tent on the beach. And we knew the resort was a lot more expensive than we were paying. So again, the old sweet talking came in and I was like, oh, come on. And he was like, okay, you know what? Listen, it's okay. I'll let you guys, because we're only there for one more night. But just move your tent closer to the resort so security people can keep an eye on you. So they are actually worried about our safety, even though, I felt Eritrea was super safe. But, you know, just pre- precautions. So we just did that. So we just pushed, we pitched our tent further kind of just outside the resort on the beach. So that wasn't a problem. See, super nice people. And so the next day, day 116, we, we just hitched a ride actually from beach back into city center, Masawa, and then got our bus from Masawa back to Asmara because we left most of our stuff in the, you know, our hotel there, Victoria Hotel it was called. Although the only bad thing was I really burnt my back quite badly, so (laughs) I went a little bit too crazy, I guess. (laughs) Just had our last night in Asmara and just soaked in the vibes and stuffed our faces with more Italian food. I think we had a pizza and shared some spaghetti and salad and garlic bread and and actually got a bottle of red wine, which was nice. And like I said, you honestly felt like you were in a little Italian town, not Africa. It was so strange, but really nice. (laughs) Okay, and then the next day, so day 117, now if you've listened to my past episodes, you know this is the final step coming up. This is the one we're super worried about because legally and technically the land border from Eritrea and Ethiopia was closed. You could fly into Ethiopia and you could leave by land into Kenya or Eritrea, but you had to fly into Addis Ababa, which made zero cents. So we had to, you know, buy some tickets, flights t- like flight tickets in Sudan, in Khartoum, to get our visa, and then we refunded our tickets got our money back. But on our visa at the very top it did st- it, there was a stamp that said air only. So we were super worried about that. I I kind of did a bit of Not forgery, because that's illegal. (laughs) Let's just say I spilled some candle wax on that page of my passport and put a bunch of dirt over it to kind of hide that. (laughs) Anyway, so this morning we're up early, and this was it. We were going to the border with all of our fingers, toes, knees, (laughs) finger. I said those fingers, toes, and knees crossed. Because, you know, the main goal of the trip was to get from Paris to Cape Town, by land. So this could be a major problem if we weren't allowed in. However, you're going to have to wait till next week to find out what happens. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, so my close remarks on Eritrea. I absolutely loved Eritrea. It was probably my favorite country in Africa so far. I mean, I loved... What I saw and did in Egypt, for sure, but the the harassment by, the like, local men, especially, was just, it kind of was detrimental to my experience in Egypt. But yeah, I mean, what I saw and did was amazing. But for just all around everything, like, accommodation, food, the vibe, just, I loved Eritrea. I was, like, at that point, it was my favorite country in Africa, for sure. And it was cheap, too. <laughs> it was probably our cheapest country at that point. And now it's time for TAM's Top Tips. Okay, so tip number one is, well, it's not, this isn't kind of going to be more tips. It's just giving you an update of the situation in Eritrea now, which is very sad to find this out. Basically, the first president of Eritrea, like I said, I was there for independence. So their independence day is May 24th. And their first one was in 1993. Well, he's turned out to be basically a complete dictator a-hole basically you know and i I, it makes me so sad because you know the people are so happy at the time but i bet i guess apparently in his 26 years of being a dictator slash president there's like no civil rights there is no legislator, le- legislation. There's no judicial, like independent judicial rights. There, like it's a dictate. It's with, I guess now Eritrea is known as the North Korea of Africa, which is heartbreaking. And they'll just arrest people, you know, for whatever, not even tell them many times, and throw them in jail for years, or even they just literally disappear, never to be seen again. And also it's law that every every Eritrean at the age of eighteen, has to do at least two years of military service. But many of these people could kind of shift over to civil, you know, working privately and publicly, building things as forced laborers. And also with the, when they get arrested, there's a lot, of, like I said, torture and people go missing or just get killed. It's it's so sad. And I guess twelve percent of the population of Eritrea has left so they have a high concentration of refugees around like Eritrean refugees around the world because of this bastard basically and also in the war with Eritrea like a third of the soldiers were women too it's rather heartbreaking so if you like I have a problem going with cut co- to countries with it like a moral problem obviously I don't like to support dictators in any which way and that's the reason why, for example, I haven't never, I have been to North Korea or Russia or China. And I'm actually, uh, my degree's in Chinese medicine. <laughs> but I fell in love with Tibetan people. And plus, you know, China's done a lot of other pretty bad crap, like especially human rights. So, yeah, I haven't been to or will I go to those three countries until the leaders now are out of there and the, the, the regime changes. So... you know, I'm so happy that I got to go to Eritrea at the time I did. You know, it was very, obviously, it sounds like a very narrow window, basically, from war to dictatorship, a couple months of sanity and peace. However, if you did want to go to Eritrea, it is possible. It's a lot, it's quite difficult, and it's way more expensive now. And you have to apply for your visa months in advance. And because you need to get a letter from the government, Eritrean government. And even if you you can't. It's, it is slightly possible to get a visa when you land, and you also have to fly into Eritrea to, in, only into Asmara. So, if your country didn't have an embassy, an Eritrean embassy, you can get a visa on arrival. Although you need that letter, you still need that letter from the government, and it's a seventy U.S. dollars for the visa. And then, if you wanted to literally go anywhere. You need to get a permit from the Ministry of Tourism for each place you wanted to go to. So, like, mostly the place... We were in a small little border town, but where we spent time was Karen, Asmara, and Massawa. So you'd have to get a permit for each of those three places. And you have to carry it with you at all times, because I guess it gets checked. And there's also... No ATMs there, so you have to have cash, and you can only change cash when you're there at banks or, like, some posh hotels. And, I mean, there is, like I said before, it was, like, 50 nafka to the one U.S. dollar. I mean, there is a black market, because we changed ours in the black market way back when. But nowadays, it's strictly illegal, and if you do get caught, like, the person who sold it to you will go to jail. So it's not... Not worth it to do the black market just for the local people's, you know, safety. And I guess also the internet is one of the worst in the world. So, so I guess going there now, it would in some respects, it'd be like I, when I went—no internet, no ATMs. But that just existed everywhere in the world, or they didn't exist anywhere in the world at that time in '93. Really, I don't think ATMs were around back then. I can't remember. Anyways, and it's also illegal for Eritreans to have internet in their homes. This is a dictatorship. Brutal, man. Okay, on a slightly, you know, lighter note. Not that I drink coffee, but apparently Eritrea has some of the best coffee in the world. And like I said, there are some really cute cafes and bars around. So if you go and you love coffee, you will be happy. And like I said before, you know, everyone, it's surprising how so many people speak English. And like the menus are in English. And yeah, it was crazy. Okay. So I think that's kind of it for, oh, one more thing is, I guess, so tip two would be, or tip three would be, yeah, if you're going to go anywhere, you know, with your permits, yeah, Karen, Masala, and Asmara would be the top three, in my opinion. But also, I guess hotels are really expensive now, too. Like, you know, my really lovely presidential suite, I think, was $5. (laughs) So nowadays it's about, you're looking around $60 a night. And because these permits are so difficult to get and you have to go through a government approved travel agency from wherever you are to get these things, it's usually you have to do, well, you don't have to have to, but it's probably easier, but way more expensive is to do a government approved tour obviously through one of their agencies and it's something like between three and five thousand US dollars for one week or something. Like crazy. And also there's no hostels there and there are you can't it's illegal for Airbnbs and couch surfing. So it's, you just got to because I guess the government probably owns all the hotels. So you have to stay in hotels. Now on the flip side and my top tip for, for women travelers, solo women travelers for air trade, like it it's still Despite all of this crazy dictatorship, it's still, you know, known as one of the safest and probably the least known, one of the least known countries in Africa, but super safe. Even people, you know, go there now, you, you know, you, you just feel safe. The only thing is do not ever express your views publicly about the president or the government because there's lots of like undercover agents. Um, so just keep your thoughts to yourself and you will be fine. And like I said, it's not a Muslim country Oh, that, because he's basically forbidden any religions except for, I guess, four small religions. So, yeah, no religious freedoms either. It's it's so heartbreaking to find out Eritrea has turned out like this. Anyways, so that would be about it. Oh, okay, obviously for women, you know, you much more relaxed on what you can wear, too. Okay, so I guess that is a wrap. So, as usual, head over to the website for more info, and many dot travel.com and we'll catch you next week to see if step five was a success getting into ethiopia okay until next thursday safe travels one road at a time